Hello, everybody, and welcome to Socks on Tap. This is a very special edition of Socks on Tap because it is me, myself, the buzz guy with Tony Marchese and Johnny Nani. This is a, a special three-part, three-people podcast on a Sunday, and we're going to try to make this a regular thing. Not just previewing the week, but previewing White Sox or, you know, reviewing White Sox Twitter. What's going on? Talking about the game that happened here today against the Oakland A's. The 2 nothing loss the White Sox suffered. We're going to preview Houston and all that good stuff. And we're just going to talk some smack and, you know, have, have a little fun here. Tony, Johnny, how are you guys doing tonight, man? What's going on, guys? Doing well, Buzz. Um, yeah, it's Sunday Funday with Socks on Tap. Uh, I think we're going to try and make this a weekly thing. Um, there's stuff that gets lost in the shuffle uh, throughout the week, and sometimes you may forget about it on a uh, weeknight show, and we're just doing a game recap and then preview of the next one. So, uh, yeah, it'll be good to air some of this stuff out. Sounds good. So why don't, why don't we just move right into this game here? But before we do that, I want everybody to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs while you're listening to this podcast. And be sure you're going to secondcitypicks.com to make your predictions for the next White Sox, Cubs game, or Cubs game, and then getting into, you know, winter sports. That's going to be coming up, too. They're doing some fun stuff with the Bears. They're going to be doing some fun stuff with the Blackhawks. A bunch of awesome stuff. You can follow them at Second City Picks or go to secondcitypicks.com. So uh, let's get into this one, man. 2 nothing loss here. Giolito picks up the loss. Um, he pitched a hell of a game today. You know, I mean, he had 13 strikeouts in six innings. He only walked one batter. It was just he suffered a two-run home run in the top of the fourth, and the White Sox offense didn't pick him up. And that's what we had talked about last night, Johnny, I believe, right? We needed we needed run support, and we didn't get it. So You were uh, you were tie-tie at the end of last night, so you uh, you were talking with me. Oh, yeah, I was tie-tie. I was <laughs> very, yeah. We got shut out on Friday, Buzz, and that's when we talked. That's right, yeah. I was, I was tie-tie last night. I tried. I did my best. I said tie-tie live on the air, and I, I felt embarrassed. My face turned red, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, this is children-friendly because I am tie-tie. But, yeah, so <laughs> the White Sox offense can only muster up five hits here today. No runs. Um, I don't know, man. I, I understand Oakland's a good team, but I just wish we would have saw a little bit more. What do you guys think? Can we say that the White Sox offense took a nap because they were tie tie too, Buzz? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I got it. yeah, they took a they took a little nappy nap. I was very upset before this game even started because Lurie Garcia got scratched. Yep. So that that ruined my day from the get go, and I know it probably ruined Johnny's too. Ruined yep. mine. That was my pick. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, uh, Larry Scratch, so John Jay Benton leadoff uh, today. He went over uh, with strikeout, left two on base, so uh, you miss him. Uh, you know, we, you saw Larry's hustle um, pretty much manufacturing a run on his own on uh, Saturday night, so you, you miss that kind of stuff. Um, he, there's, you know, obviously the on-field production, but then just the mentality that he has uh, all out to win all the time, so... Uh, you missed that, and uh, hopefully, you know, Lurie's been bitten by the injury bug in past seasons. He, he's missed a couple of stints. Um, I can remember over the past two seasons, actually. So uh, hopefully this is not something that is uh, lingering for him. Uh, hopefully it's just a little bit of a maintenance, and he can uh, get back into the swing of things. We're going to need him against Houston, guys. Yeah, I did read that he was under the weather. I don't know how true that is, um, you know. But I, I did read that was why he was scratched days. He was under the weather. And it just you, – you really miss him. You know, the guy brings a spark. You know, I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I saw something. I, I did some digging around today on uh, baseball reference just to, you know, mess around. And, you know, he, 
I don't know if you guys know this, but he's worth uh, 2.4 war. Yeah. Yeah, he's been up there. He, yeah. He has been up there. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, that, this guy is just making a complete case. To hypothetically say we go into next year, right, and then you have, you know, Eloy in left, uh, you know, Luis Robert in center. I am totally cool with having Lurie Garcia in right field. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I, mean, I know this isn't a really about the game right now. Well, I mean, obviously we're going to get more into it, but it just—I I think it's just a, a statement that should be made—is how you miss that guy when he's not in the lineup. Well, you know, I think he kind of fits more in that super utility role, Absolutely. where he can play four or five times a week, and then come and and be available off the bench in just about any situation in the t- one or two days that he's not in the lineup. Um, you know, he can give guys days off. You know, you want to give Tim Anderson a day off every week. You've got Garcia to play shortstop. You want to give your second baseman a day off. He can play second. He can play any outfield position. Heck, you could probably stick him at first or third in a pinch if you really needed to. I mean, the guy can play anywhere. Super versatile. There is definitely a spot for Lurie Garcia on this team. And you know, if if I don't get to post that picture of Johnny every time he does something well <laughs> next year, I'm probably going to lose my mind. Yeah, me too. I love that. I told you uh, when we were talking about Tony is like, that's just raw emotion. And that's, um, you know, how I feel about Lurie. And then I think that's how Lurie feels about the game of baseball. Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I I love seeing that. Like if I can't catch a game, I I catch most games. I I think I've maybe missed like maybe three this year in in total. Um, But every time I I'm not like fully paying attention to it. And I see the picture of Tony posts of, of Nani holding the Lurie Garcia Jersey. It just gives me a little chuckle. And I'm just like, something good happened. And it makes me feel good for a little bit, but getting into the offense for today's game, man, Tim Anderson put the bat on the ball. He recorded a hit. Abreu recorded a hit. Eloy recorded a hit. Matt Skoll had a, a, a pretty good hit, um, hit it opposite. He hit it towards left field. And then they had the shift on him. It wasn't a great hit, but, you know, it was enough to get him in the first base on a single. Um, Ryan Goins recorded a hit, and and, and that's where we're at. Um, it just, uh, man, we had a couple opportunities where, you know, Tim Anderson, I think uh, his first at-bat, he hit a double. And, um, you know, he got to third, and we just, we just couldn't get him in there, man. And, you know, Eloy, I believe, made it to third at one time, too, in this game. We just couldn't get him in. So White Sox had scoring opportunities. It's just they didn't capitalize on it. 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position is not getting the job done. Right, I agree with that. We, you know, we, we just got to hit the ball better, man. We got to hit the ball better. It just, when, this is what we talk about all the time. You know, it's just like you have a chance to win the game. You, you only let up two runs to Oakland and we just don't do anything. We lay an egg. It's just, it's, a, it's frustrating. It's I mean, look, look at, look at Giolito's performance today. Could have stopped anybody. I mean, outside of the two runs, I mean, he was career high in strikeouts, 13. You should win those ball games. You should absolutely win those ball games. This just goes back to how frustrating this year has been at some points. You know, you'd probably rather have Moncada in the lineup. You know, maybe that gives you a little bit of an extra oomph there. But, you know, it's if you go back and look at this, John Jay. Skull, Sanchez, Goins, Engel. You had five guys in this lineup who p- potentially won't even be here next year. Right. You know, that's, it's, it's tough to watch. 
Right. I mean, we can't take a silver linings here, too, with, with the pitching staff while we're talking about it, is that the White Sox recorded 16 strikeouts uh, today. Giolito did account for 13 of them, but Cordero came in and, and, and recorded three in two innings. So I mean, that was that was another good thing to see there. Cordero has been pretty good for us, and uh, I've been enjoying watching him. Do you, um, do you guys give a damn, though, if, if the pitching staff gets 16 strikeouts and you still lose a game? Silver linings. That's no, I, I hate losing, but silver linings is just what I'm trying to do to remain optimistic. Johnny. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously the, the end objective is to win. Uh, that, that's what matters at the end of the day. If you're putting one in the win column or the loss column, but uh, for Giolito's sake, um, I mean, obviously career high in strikeouts. So uh, that, that's excellent to see. And uh, it's nice to know that the July was a blip like you and I had talked about with Jordan on Chi Sox weekly. Um, there was nothing really that had changed with him uh, from his, you know, all-star performance in the first half that made him an all-star. So uh, good to see him back to that level of dominance. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> barren wasteland on offense. Uh, Buzz, unfortunately, I feel like, you know, this is a broken record from Friday when we talked. And then it's also been a recurring theme throughout the second half of the season. No, I agree with you. You know, and again, not trying to pull the silver linings and trying to sound overly optimistic, but it's nice when you can kind of count on Nova, uh, Ronaldo, and 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 Giolito, you know, to, to come out there. I mean, in the second half, like we've said countless times on this show, you know, Nova and, and Ronaldo have looked like completely different pitchers, and it just really sucks that you can't give them the run support after all their hard work, you know. Um, I mean, because these are games that are totally winnable. And it would just be nice to see our offense pick those guys up and, and reward them for what they how they've been performing. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to hit with runners in scoring position. I go back to this every single time and every single episode. One of the first things I look at, how do we do with runners in scoring position? Oh, for six. You're not scoring any runs. Right. You didn't put you didn't you didn't hit the ball out of the ballpark. You're still not scoring any runs. So, you know, it's 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 really embarrassing when you had six opportunities to do something and you couldn't do it. It's, it's bleeping you know? embarrassing. Yeah, so, so, yeah, someone bring me the garbage can. I got to kick it now. It's, yeah, exactly. it's embarrassing. <laughs> you know, that's, I think it, that's what Ricky Renteria needs to storm into the locker room after a day like that and, you know, just kind of, you know, fire the boys up that way. No, that's <laughs> there. There's my meatball take of the day. <laughs> Ricky needs to just grab a garbage can yeah, and whip it against the wall and say, yeah. "Score some damn runs." Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, we could go on and on about this ball game, but we've gone on and on about this ball game probably forty times already in the history of <laughs> yeah. Sox on Tap. We've seen this before. <laughs> out of the yeah, 80, out of the eighty some odd episodes we've done, it's it's just like we've seen this one before. This is a yeah. rerun. Yeah, this is right. definitely it's a rerun. It's just it, it, same thing. It's same show you guys did Friday night. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah. it really is. And, and you know, guys, I'm I'm pretty damn sick of this episode. So am I. And one thing that I, I was actually I have MLB Network on the um, TV uh, on mute while we're recording this. I just looked over and they're they showing like Chris Bassett. It's like the dude's not a world beater. Um, how, how do you not get to that? Like, imagine, all right, so we got, for the Astros coming into town, you got recently acquired Zach Granke going Monday, no. Garrett Cole Tuesday, and Wade Miley Wednesday. Um, yeah, this doesn't, this, this is not a uh, confidence builder at all. Um, I'm not feeling good going into the Astros series. Here's the weird thing about this, though, Johnny, is that 
you know, I know we're not previewing per se yet, but the Sox for some reason will come out and beat somebody like Granky, but yet couldn't beat Bassett the night before. Couldn't even scratch a run across the plate, but they'll go put up like five or six tomorrow. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they'll get to great pitching. And then when it comes to like mediocre, average, semi-good pitching, they just flounder. You know, it's it's so weird to see what, what they do. It's 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 not, not consistent. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah, that's, that's the best word to describe it, Tony. Not consistent. But I would, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're playing down to an opponent because the A's are obviously better than them and they're a good team in the wild card hunt right now. But maybe for the pitchers, it, maybe it's a mentality thing, an approach thing that you know. That you're not really studying up as much or you're not um, as dialed in. I don't know what the issue is, but either way, uh, making uh, just okay pitchers look like Cy Young winners, um, that's what the White Sox specialize in. Yeah, yeah, that, that's damn true. That's damn true. So instead of us just you know beating a dead horse here, uh, when we were off the air, we were talking about something fun that we wanted to bring up on the Sunday Fun Day Sox on Tap, and that's the controversy that's been going on on Twitter with uh, Rick Hahn's NBC sports interview. Now, Tony, I don't know if you want to start with this and then we'll, we'll all get into it, but I mean, I'd like you to introduce why everybody's been kind of on Rick Hahn's case and what you think, and we'll get Nani's opinion and my opinion on it as well. Like what you think of how that interview went on the uh, White Sox talk podcast. All right. So they did this last year. Uh, they brought Rick Hahn out, and if if you don't know who they are, it's it's Chuck Garfine's White Sox Talk podcast. He does it with Ryan McGuffey, sometimes Chris Kampka's on there, Vinny Duber, but it's mainly hosted by Chuck Garfine, and and they do, you know, the, all the White Sox coverage for NBC Sports. Now, last year they brought Rick Hahn out to I think it's the same bar they did it at this year, Reggie's, and you know fans are invited to come out and and listen to the live recording of of Rick Hahn on the White Sox Talk podcast. Great idea. I think that the the concept behind this is 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 really actually kind of cool because not many teams just put their GM out there and say, "Hey, come ask this guy questions." I think I think that's I think that's a pretty cool concept. I like the idea behind it. Um unfortunately, none of us were able to make it that night. Um and more on that in a little bit, but I think the concept behind it's great. Now, last year at this at this podcast, I don't know if it was White Sox Dave exactly, but he does he there is audio of White Sox Dave asking Rick Hahn basically if the money will be spent. You can go find that. It's out all over the internet. Um, but Rick Hahn had responded with, um, you know, when it's time to go sign a you know franchise changing free agent that he will have the money available to spend and we all know what happened this offseason White Sox miss out on Manny Machado they miss out on Bryce Harper the fan base kind of turns especially White Sox Twitter kind of turns on Rick Hahn the rebuild starts to look not so great in the eyes of some and here we are a year later, after the events had taken place, the Sox have a, a pretty decent first half. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. Pretty decent first half. Um, attendance is up. Things are looking well. 
Then they come out and they flounder in the second half. Some some weird stuff has gone on at this point in time with the likes of Yonder Alonso. And, you know, I, I don't have to rehash all this because if you've been listening to this show, you pretty much exactly know everything that's gone on this year because we've covered it every day. You know, and here we are a year later from from White Sox Dave asking Rick Hahn if the money will be spent now. Rick Hahn's on the stage again. And just a little brief synopsis. I, I've listened to the interview. Um, and the one main concern that everybody had was a little segment where they started talking about White Sox Twitter and the blogs specifically. And the negativity that comes out of certain individuals on White Sox Twitter and the tone of some of these blogs taken. At one point, Rick said something along the lines. But he said that it seems like some people would rather see the White Sox rebuild fail so that they can say, I told you so, instead of celebrating a championship. And NBC Sports took some of this stuff in the audio around this segment and made it into a video and had it published the same night that the podcast was recorded as if they had planned on shaming certain people for their opinions and their takes on Twitter, in their articles, and what have you. Now, along with that, there was a few other things within this interview that they didn't really put out there you had to listen to actually get them so we'll go over some of this stuff as well but the main focus amongst white Sox twitter seems to be that segment would you guys agree absolutely absolutely that's that's the video that yep. you see constantly retweeted quote tweeted posted from uh countless people i mean you know within the white Sox twitter community and uh, i again there's superiority complexes in this world. I think that we can all admit to that. And we know that I don't think I, I don't have one. Cause I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I'm not in the trenches. You know, I'm just a guy who crack, you know, cracks them, watches games and then, and talks about it. But people do have superiority complexes where they'd rather be right than wrong. But I feel like he kind of generalized blogs and white Sox Twitter and kind of grouped everything into one. And that's something that I didn't like. So let's, let's take a step back and then let's go to two of the individuals who are on this podcast, and one being Chuck Garfine and the other one being Ryan McGuffey. As soon as this was over, it's like they put on this suit of armor and kind of ran headfirst into the responses that were made to this video as if they were trying to fend off everything. And... You know, I'm not I'm not a Chuck Garfine hater. I don't think that I don't think that Chuck Garfine isn't a White Sox fan. I don't think that he's by any means trying to, you know, start anything with anybody. And you guys may roast this take. I don't care. I think Chuck Garfine is probably as big a fan, if not a bigger fan, than some of us are sitting right here right now. He cares about this team. I think we all know it. I mean, I go back to when Rick Hahn was giving his interview after we had missed on Machado, but look at disgust in Chuck Garfine's eyes for Rick Hahn in that photo kind of summed up, I think how everybody felt, but I don't think at the same point in time that it was appropriate for Chuck Garfine to then go and 
call out some folks on White Sox Twitter post this interview. I mean, he, he didn't he didn't do it vulgarly, but he did call people cowards for not showing up to an event to ask Rickon questions. Now, and then he said along the, something along the lines of, and I don't know if it was him or Ryan McGuffey, but one of these two guys said something to the extent of real fans who are invested in this team showed up tonight to ask Rickon questions. Now, no, here, here's my first thing. Anybody who showed up to there, questions are screened. And in an event like this, questions are screened. So if anybody was trying to get Rickon to answer questions, it had to go through a screening process. You can't say that this podcast is 100% unfiltered. That's number one. So by saying that, you know, real fans would have come and asked their direct questions to Rickon, I don't, I don't really buy that. Number two, me personally, I haven't recorded you know, 80 some odd episodes of this podcast because I'm not invested in this team. I just couldn't be there that night. I wasn't driving downtown when I had other plans going on with my family, but that doesn't mean that I'm not invested in this team. And to generalize like that, that's what pissed me off. was the fact that he basically laid a blanket statement and said, if you're a fan of this team who's invested, you decided to show up to this. And I don't agree with that. I know plenty of people who are absolutely invested in this team financially, through their time, through their actions, through what they watch, what they consume, what they spend on this team. That's invested in this team. Showing up to a bar to listen to Rick Hahn talk doesn't mean you're invested in the team. Spending your hard-earned money on season tickets, showing up to the ballpark all the time, that's an investment. Watching this team on TV, that's an investment. Spending your day reading about, talking about, that's investment. That's a time investment to this team. And for somebody to come out there and tell you that you're not invested and you're a coward because you didn't show up to a one-night event, that's bullshit. I'm sorry. Get off your high horse. There's absolutely no way that that can be true. That's number one. Number two was... There was also things in my mind about this that Rick Hahn said that not even involved in this whole Twitter uh, little meltdown thing. There were other things, and we'll talk about Kopech and, and some of these other little hints that were dropped that really don't align with some of the stuff that we've been being spoon-fed for the past two years. And it's okay for fans who are invested in this team to get upset about things that when your GM is talking and is telling you something that you've always believed in was going to happen, ain't going to happen. Yeah, I'm getting a little concerned. So I don't know. I'm going to hand it over to you guys because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to formulate what I want to say here next because I'm a little heated right now. I'll go, I'll go Johnny. Yeah, sure. So uh, the the I think the big thing that when both of you guys were bringing this up, word that kept coming up was generalizations. Um, I, I disagree. You know, the blanket statements. Uh, you, you can't just loop everybody into that. Um, you, you could maybe it's just a wording thing. Could have said it better. And maybe they're heated and uh, you know put like you said, Tony, putting on this suit of armor to go and defend uh, the event that they had and uh, their guest on the podcast. 
But uh, the, yeah, the blanket statements, that's ridiculous. I think you summed it all up perfectly, Tony, about what it means to be invested in this team and any team. And um, it, one, one thing that I want to get to on the negativity is there's legitimate concerns. Um, it, it's not, I think everybody here, every, obviously I know both of you guys, but everyone out there uh, that is fan of the te- team that writes about it, uh, that is invested, like you had just mentioned, Tony, they want to see the White Sox win a World Series. That that is always the goal. Um, it's like that for any sports team that you root for. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, I don't know one person who would just you know rather honestly in their heart of hearts have the rebuild fail than see the White than than it succeed in the White Sox to uh, you know win a World Series. But yeah, man, could you imagine if Rick Hahn was was the GM of the Blackhawks? Then he can make that statement. Yeah. <laughs> so, it just just getting getting further into this, the there's reasons to be negative, and I, I don't think that these are being addressed as much as the you know w- the people that are saying them uh, that you know they like to call out the individual websites or uh, personalities out there that are making uh, you know the negative comments about it. There's been a myriad of injuries in this rebuild. I don't know. I really can't tell you when, like, I didn't follow it as closely, obviously, because they're not my team. But the Cubs, Astros, other teams that went this route, it doesn't seem like they had this amount of injuries to both major league talent and to prospects. That's it also number doesn't one. seem like they had, like, the, you know, the, the growing pains that we've had as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can touch on that a little more in yours here, Buzz. And then the other thing, the money will be spent. That um, th- that kind of leaves me, and I, uh, you know, maybe I'm being negative here, but I'm allowed to be negative because it's just what I've seen. Um, it's basically, you know, you can talk the talk all you want, but you got to walk the walk. That goes for player performance. That goes for GM statements about spending money in the off season, making a franchise changing signing. Um, I, I it's left me after last off season. I think not only the White Sox themselves internally ability to sign, um, I think it also affects other players' perceptions of the organization. I really think it does. So I have almost zero expectations for a free agent signing this offseason. One, because the board is much thinner. Last season was the golden opportunity. Uh, There were so many available, obviously the highest end ones being Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, very franchise-changing moves if they were to be brought in. Um a lot of these guys have been locked up because they've seen, you know, the, the, how long it takes in free agency. Some guys not getting, you know, Kimbrell not getting signed at all until uh, June with that, uh, you know, the, whatever the, something with the draft, uh, that snag in there. Uh, Dallas Kite, picks. same way. Yeah. Compensation yeah. picks. So a lot of these guys are getting locked up. You got Nolan Arnato. That was another one that we we're like, Oh, well, you know, I'd rather, have, you know, you had the crowd. Well, Machado doesn't know, so I'd rather have Arenado than him. What does Arenado do about a month and a half into the season? Signed an extension with the Rockies. Um, Anthony Rendon, uh, he's he's another one that's available, but I don't know if he would be in, as inclined to play for the White Sox. Uh, so you, you know, these guys are going to get the full the full rundown of the organizations that they're checking out. You look at Mancata at third, and then some of the other guys are going to be coming up. Um, it's like, it, it, do I really have a place here that may be a uh, thing? And, you know, it's from an organizational standpoint, it'd probably be like, you know, you sign them and then you can move guys accordingly. You just get the best talent available. But I still don't have faith in their ability to convert on that. Um, they haven't done it yet. 
um, the other big free agent signings that they've had, the likes of Jeff Samarja. Remember the last time the money was spent? Jeff Samarja, Melky Cabrera. Here's uh, a question for you, Johnny. Would you want to hand the largest deal in White Sox history to Rendon? Just think about that for a second. Because he would probably command more than what Jose Abreu got. And I'm just not comfortable even giving that contract to Rendon. It's just kind of silly. Well, I you know I, it's, I, I, it's... I, I would be because it's time to do something and time is ticking. Um, th- that so I would, yes, actually, Tony. It's, I know it seems a I'm little just saying it's for the sad. Type of player that you'd it's, be getting, sad. yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I think that's the the biggest thing that there are. Re- what I'm going to circle back to on these comments now is that there are reasons to be negative. Um, you, you got players taking forever to develop. Um, you, you look at the Bo Bichette's of the world come up, and he, he is at a doubles machine, extra base hits galore. Whereas Eloy, I think, has like what, like seven, eight doubles maybe this year. Bo Bichette did that in like eight games. Um, and I, I know Eloy is still very young. I'm not counting him off, I'm not writing him out, anything like that. I still think he will be a great hitter in this league. But we saw the Mancata year last year, uh, leading the league in strikeouts. Um, are we going to have that same problem, we, even with a world-class talent like Luis Robert? Is he going to take forever? Is there something going on with the player development staff that is affecting these guys? Is Nick Madrigal going to take that long? Is Andrew Vaughn going to be a strikeouts machine for a season, and all these guys are going to be staggered in their timeline? When does the window actually start? That is why people are concerned, and I like the word concern more than negative um, because there's – there's reasons for concern and it's both the organization that's done it. And then just outside factors. I mean, you can't control an injury. Maybe there is something that can be done uh, from a, um, you know, uh, trainer standpoint. I, I don't know. I would assume that the training staff is very qualified to do, do those jobs, but you know, th- there's been a lot of injuries. Um, well, I, if you, if you want to look at the major league staff though, Johnny, this is the first year without Herm Schneider. Yeah. Um, no, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could be brought up in here, but uh, basically what I, what, what my bottom line is here, I, I've been talking too much. I'll let Buzz get to his, but th- there, there's reasons for concern, and I am one of those that is concerned, Tony. We, we've shared our, uh, you know, late-night texts over it, and uh, I'm almost losing my mind sometimes when I think about it, and it'll be okay other days, and then something else will happen, another minor league injury or something of the likes, or Eloy going on another cold stretch, and it's... You know, it's a roller coaster ride, and uh, unfortunately, it's been trending downward as of late. No, I I agree with everything you guys just said. So, I mean, this is something that I brought up on Socks on Tap. This is what, something I brought up on Chai on Tap, formerly the Outcast, whatever. You know, where I get concerned of uh, the injuries that have happened, and I've had I've actually had Chuck Garfine on our pod back in the day, and he is very very pro White Sox. So, Tony, I give that to you right away. The guy's a fan, you know. Um, but him saying that, you know, the you know, if you're invested in this team, this is something that, that rubs me the wrong way. It's like, bro, you're paid to be there, number one. Number two, everybody's got lives. That's part of your job. You know what I'm saying? So, like, let, let's just, like, curb that right away. You know, I, I got to spend a bunch of money to get up there and go do this. You know, and then I have, a, you know, I have a family. I have a wife and a kid, and I don't know if Chuck does. I don't know him personally like that. But that's not the point. The point is, is, like, saying that about a part of the fan base that, you know, they don't care because they weren't at this, this, this get together and this podcast recording to ask Rickon questions is asinine in my, in my eyes. Um, another thing is just the, the, where I get frustrated is the water carriers. And, and we've seen this with Steve stone this year on Twitter. 
you know, calling out about how, oh, well, Machado wouldn't have fit in and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, saying all this thing, these things about Machado, who's, I think, on the career trajectory that he's on right now, I think both you can agree the guy looks like a Hall of Famer. Yep. You know, I mean, if you want to sit there and water carry for your GM, that's fine. I spent years doing that for another Jerry Reinsdorf owned team. All right. With the Bulls. And it's the same story with them as it is with the White Sox. You're training. I mean, and I, I don't again, I, I'm not in the trenches every day. I don't know. But it just from the outside looking in, your training staff sucks. Everybody's always hurt. Your young guys take longer to develop than you would like. And then you're just stuck in this in this hole unless you strike gold on something, you know, a la Derrick Rose. Right. So it, it, what, what frustrates me the most about all of this is. Don't be so quick to cast stones and think because someone's concerned, I'm going to use Johnny's word, concerned, means that they would rather see the rebuild fail so they could be right than watch their team win a World Series. That's a stupid statement. That's a stupid statement. And I'm, I stand firmly by that. Like, if I was there, I would have been like, that's bull. Like, sorry, man, that's bullshit. Like, that's, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yes, there are some people. But don't blanket everybody like you said, Tony. There, there are some people that would – that go through their lives needing to be right about everything. So that, Buzz, that was that was a comment that was made by Rick Hahn, and he did preface it with right. some factions. So he didn't okay. he didn't blanket that. I, I want to separate Rick Hahn from Chuck Garfine here because I, I I feel like if if we're listening to this, um, we may have just crossed a little bit up here, and I, I want to make sure that people understand that we're not just pointing fingers in, in certain directions where they don't mean to be pointed. So if, I, I, I'm just trying to. No, right, 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 right. Again, I got, I, it got me hot just listening to it in general. So I could be mixing up. That's why we have people here that, you know, like you and, you know, like bring me back down. But I, I hate the statements that were made. I think it's stupid. And I think that there's legit concern about this team. You have Kopech who's hurt. You have Dane Dunning who's hurt. You have Lambert who's hurt. I mean, you have these pitching prospects that are supposed to be, you know, a big thing and a big part of our rotation in the future that are hurt, you know, at the performance wise, like, you know, when Johnny says he wants to bring in, you know, Rendon or whatever, that's totally cool. I understand that because we want the money to be spent on something, you know, but he makes a great point too. Is, is Robert going to come up? Is he going to struggle? So like when, you know, TA and Yoan have it figured out, is Robert Neloy still going to struggle a little bit? Vaughn magical. Like it's just this thing where it doesn't, look like the stars are completely aligning how I think that they wanted it to. So they want it to. And it just looks like in my eyes, how that whole thing went down. It's just like, well, you know, you're either with us or you're against us. I, that's how it comes off. There was a question too, that I want to get in into because I think you segued right into it was somebody had asked Rick Hahn if, you know, Yoan Moncada getting towards the end of his deal affects you know calling up guys like Luis Robert Nick Madrigal and even Andrew Vaughn you know down the line and if their development affects those call-ups and their contract status and and Rick said no that just because one guy is going to be potentially no longer with us does that mean that you need to rush somebody else I understand where Rick came from and where he wanted to go with this, but he was very quick to the trigger when he said it. He said, absolutely not. No way. You can't change Luis Roberts' development based on if 
Yohan Moncada is going to be here in year five. And I, I disagree with this one wholeheartedly. And one of the things that Rick said when he was talking about some of the neg- negativity was that he just wants people to go and look at the facts, think about them, and then make their own opinion on it. So here's the facts, is that you've got a guy in Yohan Moncada who was the first piece to this puzzle. The guy who's the headliner in the Chris Sale deal, a Hall of Fame pitcher who was the best pitcher that this franchise has probably ever seen talent-wise. And here's the piece that you got back who could potentially be on his way out of the city by the time all of this is coming together. Those are the facts. Here's my opinion on it. It's absolute bullshit that you think that all the other pieces behind this have no effect on keeping Yohan Moncada around or getting them up here sooner so that we can open the competitive window. This is how you wind up in them. I gave Rick Hahn a ton of credit for having a plan when we started the rebuild. There was a plan. Poor execution of the plan is crucifiable, in my opinion. That's how people in the real world lose their jobs. If I go to my boss and I say, we're going to start this project, here's phase one. And if we're coming up on phase three or four, and what I implemented in phase one is no longer applicable, I no longer have a foundation. If you want to talk about building a house, you put the foundation down first. That foundation is Yohan Moncada, Michael Kopech, the people that you got back in that first Chris Sale deal. If they're no longer going to be here by the time that you know you get the, the roof on the house, well, guess what? That roof ain't going to stand. It's going to fall to the floor. Amen. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Wow. Tony, that, I like how you brought in Steve Stone's house comments there, too, because that's, that's absolutely ridiculous, too. Everyone knows the best houses take 85 years to build, guys. Um, oh, <laughs> so, God. Uh, <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep uh, extending that, uh, that window, that construction timeline, Tony. Um, well, yeah, I don't want to That's the thing. Well, I don't want to be, I don't be patching my foundation when yeah. I'm supposed to be moving my family in. Because yeah, that's I, wrong. I, and, but I do agree with the first thing that you said there about picking, you know, picking a lane and, 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 and riding in it, you know, because that's, again, I, I try not to, you know, cross teams too much into our socks on taps. But I mean, it's the same thing where I gave Gar Packs for the Bulls a, a pass here because they chose to do a rebuild. That's the same thing that I did with the White Sox. It was nice to see them not bringing in over the hill players that aren't really going to help trying to put out this competitive team that was never competitive. And we always faltered. And, you know, you pick the lane. You got some high-end prospects, and you're going to go with it. And to see the phases not going the way that we want them to go, just like you said, Tony, like that's just that's a fireable offense, man. I'm, I'm with you wholeheartedly on that. If this doesn't work, then th- this was all for nothing. You know, this was all for nothing. Well, that's my question. Why do you go and trade Chris Sale if by the time your rebuild is actually – like coming to fruition and you're coming out of that, that down period. If those guys are going to be gone, wasn't the point of acquiring all this, the the talent to have the sustained success that we've always heard. And and it seems like a dream at this point in time. I'm not saying that the white Sox, if, 
if Yohan Moncada leaves in free agency or they have to trade him or whatever, that's the end of the it's not the end of the world. But it's frustrating to watch because I remember being at the ballpark the day he got called up and the excitement because around that everybody's talking about how this is the first piece. This is the first thing that we get to see. This is the first glimpse of hope. And I knew it was going to be a while before we got to the next ones, the Eloys, the Kopecks, the everybody else that's in line here, you know, even Dylan Cease. And, and it just seems like, I don't know about you guys, but f- since Moncada and then Kopech, the other ones are just, they're not as shiny to me. Even Eloy really wasn't as shiny as what we got when, when Moncada took that first walk. It was a, it was a moment of hope that I think a lot of people saw and they're like, wow, okay, we got, we got the first piece up here and we get hungry for the next one. And then, you know, Eloy comes up and you started to see what happened with Moncada and the struggles. And Johnny, you touched on that. And then it's Kopech comes up. Now he's injured. And it's like, really the, the next two that I really can see being somewhat of a, of a big breath of fresh air are Luis Robert and potentially Nick Madrigal. But I don't think he's going to be as flashy as a guy like Andrew Vaughn. I think Andrew Vaughn is another guy that, that we'll, we'll get really excited to see in his first um, appearance with the White Sox. But going back, what do you do if Moncada's in a contract year and we're still dealing with trying to get the pitching staff figured out? Vaughn is just starting through his struggles. It, it you know, and you don't really you, you don't have that cornerstone free agent that you signed who was 26 and is now you know still under 30 and performing to the like the best career years that they're having six war guys plus. Wh- what do you do with this? Because you've just done exactly like the Bulls but that you just described, Buzz. It's it's half put together. I am all for rushing a guy like Luis Robert up when he seems ready because I don't know about you guys, but I've looked at his stats. doesn't look like he's struggling too much. You know, I, I, I don't – Rick Hahn brought up that this was the longest year of baseball that he's played. I understand that these guys are, are athletes and they get tired and this is their day job, but, you know, I, my work's not telling me, you know, wow, this is the longest year that you've worked. Let's give you a little break. These guys are playing a game. They're making millions of dollars. They are highly tuned athletes. They can play 163 games of baseball a year. And if you're that concerned about the toll it's taking on his body, give him a day off every week. Get him up here for the major league experience. Let him see some of this stuff. You know, you want to worry about having the extra year of control on these guys when the first first few guys that you've brought up here may not even be here anymore. It's just it's you use the word asinine. To me, that's asinine. I don't I don't understand it. Right. I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that wholeheartedly. It's just when they when with with the patience that they have uh sh- you know shown upon us here with bringing up prospects and the struggles that we've mentioned during this podcast. I mean it you know, 2020, you know, guys, I mean, come on. That's what we've been all talking about, right? For the last two years, 2020 is going to look good. 2020 is going to look good, but it seems like it's getting further away, and that's where the concern comes in, and that's where I stand. Well, and here's the next one that I want to get into. 
Han kind of let it slip in here that, you know, when they were talking about the rotation for next year, that, you know, somebody mentioned, oh, well, Michael Kopech will be back, and you'll have uh, Rodon coming back at some point next year, and you've got Dylan Cease, you got Giolito, you got Lopez. So arguably, guys, I don't know about you, that's a pretty pretty decent rotation. You know, you maybe you add a free agent in there or yep. you uh, you do something to get an innings eater guy. I think Nova's been serviceable. I don't know if I'd get him back for the same kind of money that we have right now. There's there's other people available. Obviously, if you can go out and get Garrett Cole, not going to happen. But if you can, he, he trumps any of these other guys that are in the rotation. So you can make an upgrade that way. There's trades available, obviously. But the rotation as it stands is much better than what we've seen from the Dylan Coveys, Banuelos's, uh, Ross Detweilers, Odrisimer Despagne's. You know, right there on paper, there's so much less crap that it just looks better. Well, until you start to think that, or until you hear that, well, Kopech will be back sometime in 2020. I don't know about you guys. I was under the assumption that Kopech was going to be fully healthy for spring training, which Han said was going to be the case as of right now on his current recovery path. He'll be ready for spring training. But then the word he'll be back sometime in 2020 kind of tells me that he's starting the year in AAA. Because Rick Hahn had then gone on to say it's been over a year since he threw a ball in anger to a hitter. If he gets a full spring training in and has a ramp up like everybody else does, and the guy's already checked, quote-unquote, all the boxes down in the minors, wouldn't you guys expect him to start the year in the starting rotation? Yep. and Absolutely. Uh, dude, Tony, um... When I was talking to you about this on Friday night, I believe it came out Thursday night and Friday mornings when kind of all of this, you know, was swirling. Um, I was under that assumption too. Kopech was going to start the year with the team and he would be full go for spring training. Michael Kopech had Tommy John surgery on September 18th last year of 2018. And it, it, then I think one of the things that you missed in that comment there was the part about Rodon too? Oh, well, we expect Rodon, there, yeah. Rodon somewhere in 2020 as well. In what world does Michael Kopech take 22 months to come back, and Carlos Rodon only take 14? In what world does that make any sense to you? That is asinine to me. What 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 is it? Like it, it's just pushing, kicking the ball down the road further. I'm gonna lose my freaking mind if Michael Kopech does not start the year with the team next season. I'm going to lose my mind, Tony. I told you that on Friday night. They, they have such terrible management with this. Dane Dunning, I watched the game down in Birmingham when he got injured last year, I believe it was June, and he went in pain, grabbing his elbow. I looked, I was like, oh, God, that's Tommy John. No, this can't be good. They shut him down for the season. Instead of having surgery right away like they should have done, they play around, rest and relax, and yada, yada, all off season. bring him to spring training, Starts up a uh, start starts to throw, experiences more discomfort, and then uh, you know they shut him down for another two weeks, and they say, okay, try and start throwing again after that. 
and I when that first update came out about that, they were gonna you know shut them down and then try again. It, when this was back in I believe February, I quote tweeted it and I said, 15 days from now, Dane Dunning has underwent Tommy John surgery. Yada yada yada. 13 days after, so I was pretty close, just a couple numbers off. Dane Dunning underwent surgery. What kind of management is this? Like I. I, I I understand that injuries happen in the game, but let's address it then when it happens and address it right away. Um, but I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just a TV doctor and saying that, you know, uh, and they were trying to avoid the surgery and they uh, maybe saw something different. But, man, it looked terrible uh, when I saw Dunning leave that game in the middle of a batter. Um, and, you know, Kopech, it wasn't like a real uh, blatant incident that you could tell. He just kind of left to start a little bit early and uh, you thought it was just because he was getting rocked a little bit. But. They, at least I commended them for doing it right away. Said, okay, well, then he'll be back for, you know, full go for that year. So if he's not ready to start 2020, I'm going to lose it. I think we all are. Because like you just said, it's it's mismanagement of, of, of player injuries. I mean, that's what it is. Like, I don't understand what the what the waiting game is. That's where I'm frustrated. I don't understand what the waiting game is. But I think what, what did you just say, 22 is... months to 14 months? Yeah, how does it make sense? It doesn't make sense. That's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. I'm not trying to lose my cool or anything, but that's just frustrating. It's frustrating. So, again, it just comes back down to the simple fact that fans have a reason to be concerned because nothing seems to make sense. Well, and here's the thing. Han said that Kopech was ahead of schedule. I remember hearing something earlier in the spring that, you know, Kopech was like – already on his throwing programs, and that if the Sox were to somehow sneak into the playoffs, this guy could potentially be around. Now, I don't know how that would work if he wasn't added to the roster before then, but the fact that people were saying that Kopech could be pitching in the fall of this year, how does that not, you know, he's probably eligible to go to the Arizona League, in all honesty. Johnny, he could be down there yeah, throwing probably. pitches in anger down in, in the Arizona fall league. If, if we really yeah. wanted to get into this. So don't tell me there's no options that he could go throw pitches in anger. You know, I, I don't understand why he would have to spend any time down in AAA, and, and maybe it's just the team wants to shelter him a little bit. But we've already seen this with some of these other pitchers. Why are we wasting these guys' bullets? The arm can only hold so much in the holster. At one point, it gives out. Granted, he's been through Tommy John already. What happens if it's his shoulder down in AAA in his first start in April? Oh, Kopech has a shoulder injury now. What, are we going to wait another year? You know, I just don't understand the, the waiting game on this. It's the same thing every time I see Luis Robert dive for a ball in AAA into the wall. You know, like, God, why do we, why do we have to take these chances? I, I just don't understand it. And, you know, that, that's, that's a concern for me. I'm Very with concerning. you, man. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Dude, I, I, could, I think I could go all night uh, on this, especially that last topic, because that's the one that, I mean, I know the comments, too, uh, about the negativity and, you know, wanting to see the Sox lose at some factions of uh, the fan I don't want to see, see him lose. No, I, I know, but I'm saying. I want to see him uh, win. That, 
that Kopech news is what kind of gets me even more riled up, honestly, um, out of the three of us. You, you just heard my little outburst there. But it, it's so warranted because it's kicking the ball down the road. How often we've talked about this. You mentioned Beeflo's perpetual rebuild comment. Yeah, it's getting there. It's what it's starting to look like. Um, and there's – there's got to be a, I know they picked the direction and, you know, we commended them for doing that and uh, the, the rebuilds on, but you, you have to execute then. Um, like you had said about the, uh, the house comments, Tony, uh, if that foundation is going to be slipping away soon, um, we got to see it all together at some point to know if this thing was ever going to be successful or not. Um, I don't know. It's just concerning, very concerning. Right. I I got really nothing else to say besides the fact that I just feel, you know, maybe they see something going wrong with it. And by they, I mean like Rick Hahn or Steve Stone or Chuck Garfine or whatever. And they just, you know, what did you say, Tony? A suit of armor? Yeah. Is this is this damage control? Right. That's it's what I did. Exactly. Wasn't... That's that's what I was getting to. He's like, is it damage control? You know, what, <laughs> is there a snag in Copex recovery that wasn't made public? And that's why they're pushing this back. I don't know. Right. It, it just seems like damage control. And it seems like kind of like when you're, you know, like I'm sure you've had this in your everyday life where you've done something wrong or, or not, and not intentionally, but it just has happened and you get defensive about said certain situation. And that's just kind of what it feels like right now. And yeah. I just, that's something that just rubs me the wrong way. And that's, that's where I'm at with this whole, this whole sit down thing that they did and just kind of like some, you know, a certain part of the fan base being called out. It just seems to me that way. It's like something's not going right and lashing out is happening. And, you know, you, you're either with it or you're not. And you, if you question it, then you're not with it. And that's an issue in my mind, at least. That, that's all I have on it. It's just that's what my opinions and thoughts are on it. I want yeah, this thing. I want this thing to go well. I want this. I want to win. You know, I want the team to win. I love this team. I want the team to win. We, God, guys, we spend so much time on, and it's not a burden. It's not. I enjoy doing this. It's not a burden, but I feel like it's it's fair to question certain things. We put a lot of time into what we do with, with, with on tap and with socks on, you know, with on tap sports net in general, with every team and what we do with the socks and how, I mean, how many games we watch, how many hours we put into all of this. I, I feel it's fair that we question and, and just to make it, seem like when you question that you're not with it it puts a chip on your shoulder and that's what is i feel like is kind of with me right now i got a chip on my shoulder about it because like okay am i not good enough to question this is this a is this an issue am i not you don't you don't think certain people are educated because they're questioning it that's how i feel and yeah hopefully i'm proven wrong that's that's all i got on it buzz i'm with you i i don't have anything else either i think i used most of my steam on the uh copex stuff so uh tony if you have any last thoughts aram we'll close the book on this and get to the houston series well you know i want to go back and and also give some credit where credit's due during this interview uh rick Hahn had said that a few things were actually self-inflicted um one of the things he said uh, like right away was when the rebuild started Oops, sorry. Uh, when the rebuild started, he had said that, you know, based on the talent that they had on the team, a la Chris Sale, um, you know, Jose Quintana, some of those contracts that those guys were, were uh, assigned to allowed them to trade for uh, talent that was close to major league ready. And 
you know, traditional rebuilds take around five years. We know that with Houston. We knew that with Kansas City. We knew that with the Cubs. Um, but Rick had made some statements about how they can, you know, do this a little bit quicker based on who they had acquired uh, in these trades and the talent that was already on the team that allowed them to acquire them. Um, you know, Rick kind of acknowledged the fact that him speaking to the media and making some of these statements probably wasn't the best idea at the time. Um, so I really liked kind of the um, the self-reflection that, that Han had kind of done in knowing that him opening his mouth had created some of this. So I don't think he's naive to the fact that people are going back and looking at some of the the quotes that Rick has said in the past. That's a positive, I think. Now, I can go back and spin this and say, well, then why are you so worried about all these people being negative? But I don't really know if it's it's Han himself because he did say that there's really nothing he can do about it and that if he were in that situation, he would probably do the same. You know, one of the things he said is like, you know, if I was a 12-year-old on Twitter and I was, you know, uh, as involved with this team, you know, I would probably say those things and make sure that the GM saw them too. So I think that he kind of has a little bit more of a sense of, I know what's going on with this. I think my problems maybe lie a little bit more with Chuck Garfine and, and maybe this, this is coming from other individuals in the organization. I, I can't say that it's Kenny. I can't say that it's Jerry, but, um, you know, there just may be a little bit of a disconnect there. We've already talked about disconnects within that front office. Um, and I think that those disconnects may be a little bit larger than uh, than people tend to hone in on. I don't know about you guys. I, I agree with everything you said there. There might be a disconnect. Yep. Um, you know, but again, it, unfortunately for us, it's all speculation because we're not in there on the trenches. Yep, and, and PR has been an issue for this team. Obviously, you saw the conflicting messages from Kenny and Rick. Um, so, you know, after the Machado fallout, um, and, and that's part of what made the situation even worse. I mean, sure, getting the player is the, the loss there, but the reaction to it afterward, um, they were obviously a discon- there's a disconnect there between those two guys and what they were saying. Um, and I think there's been, you know, other PR situations that have not been handled as well. Um, so, I mean, I do like that, what you said, Tony, that at least Rick did take some ownership of some of that stuff. But, um, yeah, it's like, are there marching orders to go out and uh, set the uh, record straight? Um, you know, kind of, I hate to call them, but, but you know, corporate socks, kind of, because they have a TV deal with, NBC Chicago has a TV deal with the team. So uh, they're going to, you know, have a little over more oversight over them as opposed to a podcast like Socks on Tap. So, uh, yeah, very interesting stuff, man. Um, I think that was worthwhile to uh, get out there and air out. Um, if listeners have any, uh, you know, commentary on it, uh, feel free to reply to us when we post this episode. Uh, leave a comment, whatever it may be. So um, I I don't know if I can spend much more time on this. I might uh you know, lose my mind. Tony, gasket so. there, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's so, getting all uh, red. I am. Uh, do you guys want to go to the Houston yeah, series? Yeah, we'll though? go to the Houston series, man. We'll go to the Houston series. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, again, like Johnny said, feel free to you know tweet at any of us at Nani Johnny at Chai Socks MKZ at Buzz on Tap or tweet when this uh, episode is dropped at Socks on Tap on what your thoughts on this whole thing. Are and uh, we'll go from there. But going into the Houston series tomorrow, 
we are facing Zach Granke, and this will be his second start with the Houston Astros, and he's going up against our guy, Dylan Cease. Uh, Zach Greinke didn't have the greatest outing with Houston in his first start. He is 1-0, but he has a 7.50 ERA and six innings pitch. He let up seven hits. He struck out two and walked two. Uh, he's going up against Dylan Cease, who's 2-4 and four with a six ERA, um, 33 innings pitched, 33 strikeouts for uh, our guy Dylan Cease. So, I mean, this series is going to be, I mean, listen, Houston's a great team. They're 77 and 41. They're dangerous all around. They're a World Series favorite. If the White Sox are going to be competitive at all, you need it. You need both the pitching and the bats to be clicking on all cylinders. And that's the only way I could preview this series with making it sound somewhat intelligent that we're not going to go out there and get absolutely shellacked. Yeah, shellacked. Good word there, Buzz. Anyway, I'm going to give you guys a few notes and then you're going to react to them, all right? Houston just lost yesterday at Baltimore or you know Sunday today as we're recording this tomorrow as you're listening to this um they they lost at Baltimore in that series finale um that was their first loss in August um they had an eight game win streak before that um and that mo- that was just the most recent game they lost on a walk off home run today uh Sunday but on Saturday night they put up 23 runs uh, and blew out the Orioles 23-2. I know it's the Orioles, but still just shows you how potent that offense is. Uh, like I mentioned with that, uh, to go along with this being their first loss in August, they are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Uh, they have a plus 184 run differential, which is good for second in baseball. The White Sox have a minus 117. Uh, Grinky starts uh, Monday. Buzz kind of gave you the background on him there. Uh, it'll be a second start with Houston. Cole on Tuesday. Uh, Cole, a guy that we had talked about. We want the White Sox to sign free agency. Um, and Wade Miley, who, whose ERA is sub three as well. And he's going Wednesday, and that's against Ross Detweiler Wednesday. How do you feel about the series now, guys? Not great, Bob. Not great. So, <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really know what to say, man. I'm, 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 I'm scared. I'm very, I'm very scared. So that's, that's all it is. I'm, uh, I'm nervous, man. You know, so like I said, I just hope the pitching can be all right. And the White Sox can hit the ball and try to be competitive. That's all I got. I always go back to baseball as a weird sport, man. Anything can happen on any given night. We've seen some weird baseball this year. We've seen the Sox pull out victories against Houston before already this year. You know, I don't, it's okay to be scared, Buzz. Tuck you in. Read you a bedtime story because I know you're getting tie tie. <laughs> I'm very tie tie. It's all right, buddy. Turn the nightlight on. I would I, I, just just to go into what you just said. Yeah, we did take a couple games from or, you know from Houston this year or whatever. But that was a like I said, I go back to this all the time. It was a tale of two teams. First half yeah. White Sox against second half White Sox. Yeah, that that's true. Um, but you know, Dylan Cease has improved. I oh, think yeah. a little bit with every single start he's made. Um, let's let's see if he can get through those first few innings in this one. I think this will be a good test for the kid. Um, at this point, guys, I mean, really? If we lose all three of these games to Houston, does it matter? No. You no, know, it realistically, really it doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of things, but in the grand just, scheme of things, these don't matter. But I would, I'm, I'm gonna hone in on this game tomorrow because I want to see what Dylan Cease looks like against a World Series caliber lineup. I want to see if he can avoid getting himself into jams because guess what? 
if he gets into the same kind of jam that he got into against Detroit in his last start, they ain't going to let him off the hook. Nope. Houston's an opportune team. Very yeah. much so. So I want to see what, what he looks like against a team like that. Nova and Detweiler in the in the, the second two games, What is that doesn't bode anything for our future here. It's it's really here nor there. So if you're going to hone in on something here, I think for this series, Dylan Cease going up against this this uh, Houston lineup. Let's see what he can do. And hopefully he doesn't get shellacked out of there in the first <laughs> inning because, <laughs> you know, there's a chance that Houston puts up like 14 runs in the first and Cease throws like 80 pitches just to get through it. Um, I don't want that to happen. So. We could see the Sox take one out of three in here, and I'd probably be just okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you. I, I, I kind of think that's the direction we're going, uh, Tony. When we made some predictions for the series on Chai Sox Weekly, uh, we made homestand predictions, and I said they'd go two and four in the homestand. And I think you, you had a split, so you're gonna need two wins in the series, bud. Uh, <laughs> but I, I had a split. Um, I, I think we'd take one of these, and you'd. I thought I went two and four. I thought I went two and four as well because I didn't really see them beating Oakland at all. No, oh, okay. I can't remember it correctly though. At this I, point in time, I don't night, know. but yeah. Anyway, um, that's kind of what it's looking like here, realistically. Um, but I think uh, the biggest thing is going to be cease again. Um, the you had mentioned that uh, good points about Nova and Detweiler and those other two games. That doesn't mean anything for the future. Um, but Dylan Cease is Dylan Cease is going to mean a big part uh, for the future of this team. Um, obviously, if Michael Kopech's not coming back till 2080 or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, same with Dane Dunning, maybe. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Dylan Cease. I uh, got to got to. Uh, stay out of trouble there. I think that was very good uh, point, Tony, in that we're not going to let him off the hook like uh, Detroit did. So um, if he does have guys on base, I want to see him use that curveball to induce double play ground balls. I think that's what I'm going to be looking for um, big time from him because the, the Astros are going to get on base. Uh, they're just too good of a lineup not to. So um, I guess one thing that he has in his advantage, uh, you know, he's never faced the Astros. Not one single player on the team has ever faced him. So, um uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise. That's some there. White Sox uh, logic, dude. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I'd like to see how, uh, you know, we always talk about the White Sox being bad facing a pitcher for the first time. I'd like to see how other teams' numbers on that. Obviously, we pay much more attention to the White Sox, so uh, that may be something to dig up for a future show. But um, World Series caliber roster, Tony, uh, let's see him step up, uh, play up to that level. So with that being said, why don't we get into our second city picks to click uh, tomorrow? You know, Tone, you said baseball is a weird sport, right? Yep. So I think that if the White Sox are going to win this game with Dylan Cease starting, it's going to come from somebody that we, we wouldn't expect really helping us out and getting some offense going. So I'm going to go Yolmir Sanchez for tomorrow, man. There it is. I love it. Hey, love it. you know what? I, I've gotten the last two in a row. Nani, back me up on that, please. Um, I've gotten my last two picks of click have been good. Um, after I was completely shellacked around by you and uh, and to a lesser, way lesser extent, Nani, when you guys were on making fun of me um, for my hey, second. For my what second. I, this is what I, this is what I told motivation. him. This is what I told him, Johnny. You ever heard me go off on a player on this show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Crazy I, I Marchese. I would count this one into the crazy Marchese bump right there. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess you should be thanking Tony and not uh, ridiculing him for his uh, critique of you then. I will not thank I will not thank him for that. So <laughs> good luck just, next year, man. Yeah, I'm a screen I'm a screen share for you idiots in a minute here. So you know. <laughs> 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 oh god i love it buzz uh, I, 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 I gotta go with timmy timmy's my pick like timmy looks timmy looks good um yeah, good he does look good he, he looks really good right now uh who you guys took uh two two real good ones there um mine was a good one all right yeah i'm just saying that's that it sucks <laughs> uh, let's, go McCann. let's go mccann hopefully mccann's playing tomorrow Oh geez, all right. Yeah, he's 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 had a rough second half. Let's ah. let's see. Uh, you know, maybe I need to write another article. So, yeah, what we saw in the first <laughs> half—that's what we need to see. Um, but at least it is still, even when he's coming down, it's still above that Detroit career averages. You know, so, write a James I mean, McCann fooling you 2.0 article, <laughs> and then get ridiculed all over again. That's fantastic. Um, hey, if right, helps so, can perform better, then that's all that matters. Right. I, I have a service to provide. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, I hope everybody who listened to this enjoyed um, the Sunday fun day socks on tap. We want to kind of make this a regular thing. So, you know, like I said, be interactive with us on our Twitter after you listen to this podcast. Let us know what your thoughts are during the, you know, the middle topic of conversation during this podcast and uh, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs and going to secondcitypicks.com and following them on Twitter as well at Second City Picks. That's all I got today, boys. Yep, that's all I got. I think uh, the first Sunday fun day. I enjoyed it, guys. Uh, I know I know it's a little bit of a hard topic to talk about, but I think it needed to be talked about, so I'm glad we did it. And um, yeah, uh, let's just enjoy uh Enjoy some more baseball at home here. I know I'll be getting out of the ballpark a couple times. Tony, two times as well. Uh, enjoy some Dollar Dogs Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, like Buzz had said, let us know any of your thoughts on it. If you think you like this version, we should do it more. Or if you think it sucks and it's terrible, then we won't do it. We'll just do our regular uh, shorter versions all the time. So uh, that's about it. Yeah, well, we may even if, if even if people think it sucks and it's terrible, it's always fun to talk to both of you guys instead of just one. So we may just do it anyway. Then. <laughs> Tell we the people to go shove it. Just yeah, like we, we don't care what you think. Yeah, 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 we don't care what you think. Yeah, no, we you, do. You're a hater if you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a hater. That's um, if you don't, if you don't like. It. All right, so uh, guys, um, I had fun. I know, like Johnny said, the topic was hard to talk about, but um, if we do continue to do some of these Sunday Fun Day shows, which I hope we do, um, we'll get some more segments. We'll do some more fun. Type stuff. Yeah, actually of make it a fun always... day instead of a depressing. <laughs> yeah. All right. I like how we call it Sunday Fun Day, and we talked about the, like the most depressing stuff. That, it's uh, like we're we all talked... sitting in that room like that dog with the with the house on fire. Yeah. Yeah. This is fine. This is, this is fine. This is fine. Well, let's go socks. Let's go yeah. socks. That's it. Let's go white socks. Yeah.